Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. Straight up to the claw. On this Monday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadero. Hi, Gambo! Hi, Gambo. Hi, Gambo. Hello, Gambo. Oh, I'm sorry, I was just breaking out my inner DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> I thought I would just stand around and I thought I'd just stand around and listen and not really do anything. Were you, I thought I'd just I thought I'd just you, sit around and listen and do nothing. How many offensive uh, rebounds I had of my own miss just, before you decided to jump in there and mix it up? I was just watching you. I was just watching you. I didn't feel like, feel like I'd get involved in the show. I figured I would just watch you. You know. Uh, you know what? And then pay. Uh, I'm here to tell you right now at two oh one and fifty seven seconds. I don't think the show's getting any better than that today. Uh, I think it. we've peaked. Good I think. Good night, Good night. Thank Good you for night, listening. Everybody. See you tomorrow, straight up 2 o'clock, right here at the Burns and Gambo Burns Show. Burns what's going on? <laughs> yeah, play, play the closing. We're out of here. Right See you later. Here. See you tomorrow. Uh, We're done. Nothing's getting better than that. I just figured I'd open the show doing nothing. <laughs> and just brag out my inner DeAndre oh, Aiden. Good. I knew you were up to something over there. I'm like, what's he doing? What's he doing? Oh, mm, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all just have like this moment today where we do nothing. <laughs> we'll break out on it. Just do what, nothing. What are you doing? I'm just my. I'm channeling my inner DeAndre Aiden. I'm just standing here. I'm watching you do all the work. Yeah, your boss sends you to ask you to do something. Just don't do it for yeah. a little while. What are you doing? What I'm, are you doing? Just, I'm just breaking watching up. you do the work. I'm trying to be like DeAndre. <laughs> God, that was. Thought I would just do nothing. <laughs> that was funny. That was bad. That was really really bad. Uh, what's yeah, funny? But true. Is, it was very but true. true. What's What's funny is that we're going to spend a lot of today talking about that mess on Saturday night and then talking about tonight's game too and the thing about it is is there were so many things going on in that game on Saturday that's not even the main thing to talk about when you're talking about the Suns and the Nuggets so with that let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show Burns and Gambo the weigh in brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and that'll do it the Nuggets win game one of this second round series final score 125 to 107 they took control in the second quarter and never relinquished it en route to ending a seven-game losing streak in the playoffs to the Phoenix Suns. Yikes! Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a beatdown of epic proportions by the Denver Nuggets. The Phoenix Suns were really never in that basketball game. They were truly never in the game. They had no answer for Jamal Murray. I mean, no answer for ja- Jamal Murray. And the Nuggets, man, they are beaming with confidence right now. And the Suns, probably a little bit of doubt seeping in because they hadn't really had a challenge. You know, at all the time they had Kevin Durant, the biggest challenge they had was game one against the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. That was it. The other four games, yeah, but the Clippers played hard. They gave the Suns everything they had, but they were outmanned and outclassed. Yeah, this is the first time. Now, we went through the regular season. There were no games in the regular season that really mattered. But Dallas, they didn't even make the playoffs. And that was a dogfight. This was the first game... Your test with Kevin Durant against the team, a good team, at full strength, and that's what happened. They got their asses handed yeah, to that them. That was uh, actually my number one. I mean, there were so many takeaways from that game on Saturday. That was one of the main ones right there. Okay, you finally got tested. You finally got tested, and you saw how short you are right now. And you right? failed. And you failed. You, failed. Uh, you did. You, 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 there's no other way to, mm. to say it. You failed. Like, you you got tested for the very first time. A, a great team 
full strength, everybody on the floor, and they punished you, man. They absolutely outworked you. They punished you. They outshot you. They did. They did. I mean, they did everything. They humiliated you in Game One. Now, yes, it's a long playoff series. A lot can change. Obviously, Game Two is coming up tonight. But we got look. We could talk about Aiden. We could talk about the rebounds. We could talk about the shots. And we're going to oh, talk we about will. all of that. We stuff. will. But we got to talk about Jamal Murray, who you know, you talk about the ultimate X factor. He was a guy that two years ago was not available to the Denver Nuggets when the Suns won the series in four. He was very much available on Saturday night, and he tortured the Phoenix Suns. And on he's Saturday. been torturing the Phoenix Suns his whole career. I did not know this. I found out about it after the game. Jamal Murray's record against the Phoenix Suns: eighteen wins and three losses. He's 18-3 and three against the Suns. His record as a pro against Devin Booker, two Kentucky guys, he's 15-2 and two against Book. 15-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Those are Murray's numbers. 18-3 and three overall versus the Suns, 15-2 and two against Booker. Like, man, he is owned. But yeah, he was, he was great. And I think, you know, I think you said it on, you know, in our, in our emails. We, we email a bunch of stuff back and forth to each other. The back-to-back three-pointers... Like, if there was any oh. doubt about this game, he knocked down back-to-back threes, and that this thing was done. Yeah, yeah, the Suns were cooked. The Suns had a layup. A Booker had a layup and one. He attacked the rim. They had a chance to cut it to single digits in the fourth quarter if they could get a stop. Murray hits a three. It's a 14-point lead. Murray hits a three. It's a 17-point lead, and that's it. It's like, done. Bye. See ya. And shortly thereafter, Monty pulled the plug on the starters. About five minutes left in the game. Got his guys out of there to save him for another day, to save him in the, in the altitude of Denver and things like that. Yeah, those those back-to-back threes that he hit in the fourth quarter, that was the game. And it didn't seem like it really mattered who was on Jamal Murray. Nobody could really slow him down. Nobody. Here's Monty after the game. Yeah, just trying to put a, a stronger, more guard-like body on on Murray. And, and let's be honest, some of the shots he hit, I don't think anybody could have stopped him tonight. Uh, but we got to do something um, a little bit different in our schemes to keep him from getting the ball or get the ball out of his hands. And, you know, that's something that we'll look at. Well, you have to. I mean, this is all about this is we're gonna talk about Monty later too, man. This is the Monty game right here. Let's see what you're made of. Let's see what adjustments you come up with to make sure that doesn't happen. This is the playoffs. Steph Curry had fifty last night to carry Golden State. Elite shot making. Okay, elite shot making. That's what happens. Guys like Jamal Murray go off. They have an incredible game. He had an incredible first half. He had an incredible game overall. And he carried them. Big in the third quarter, big in the fourth quarter. He was fantastic for them. And it's it's hard. Hard to stop great players because that's what wins in the playoffs. Great players. Yeah, it is. Look, the Suns have great players too. And I would expect Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who had good games, not quite great, but good games, to bounce back and play even better tonight. I thought in some ways the real like wild card variable in that game Aaron on Gordon. Saturday night was Aaron Gordon. No doubt. He was three of four from distance. He's a career thirty two and a half percent shooter. So there's there's a lot of like, okay, go ahead, kid, take that shot. We're gonna give you that shot. We're going to see if you can make that shot. He made that shot. He made that shot a bunch on Saturday night. And I thought, like, Murray's greatness, you could almost predict. Jokic didn't have a good shooting night, but he had a really good night overall. Aaron Gordon was the real wild card. Taking it into the rim for dunks, yeah. cutting to the basket, knocking down shots. He filled out the big three for them, he right? Did. They had he a did. big three. The Suns didn't. He was the third member of that big I, three. Gordon, he hit a corner three to make it 60-47. to 47. I wrote, I jotted this down in my notes. He hits a corner 
four to three. Denver's up sixty to forty seven. At that point, he was six for six for sixteen points. He had sixteen of their sixty, and he didn't miss a shot. Like that's probably not like that. That's probably not going to happen again. But like he was, he's a good player. Like when they got him from Orlando, and this is where he fits. See, in Orlando. He was very much asked to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, you were the high lottery draft pick out of the U of A. Try to be the number one guy. And it just didn't really fit him and work. Now you come and you're the three. When you take a player like that and say, be our third best player, those guys thrive in those situations. They thrive not having to be the main guy. But if there's times where you need, you need a guy to step up like that, he's like, I've done it before. I did it in Orlando. I could do it, but I've got other guys around me. It was a great game by Jamal Murray. Jokic really dominated the boards. Gordon was good. Their bench was better. Like, a lot of things went right for the Denver Nuggets. And they, man, I'll tell you, they, the Suns were frustrated. They were frustrated. You can see the frustration. Sure, Chris sure. Paul with a, with a body check on, on Jamal Murray just out of frustration because oh, yeah, we're just time. getting our asses handed to us. We'll talk about Chris Paul later. Terrible, terrible game for him. But yeah, they've got to figure out a way to, to try to slow down Jamal Murray because he is on a tear right in the playoffs since the playoffs started. Like he has had some really great games. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's part of what kind of concerns me about tonight's game too is that it wasn't like Jokic had a great game on the boards. Jokic didn't have like a dominating game, no, right? Like no. not, not he was what sub fifty percent from the floor. I think he was nine of twenty one. He was good. I'm not trying to take anything away from Jokic. The fear is that even if Aaron Gordon has a step back game tonight, which I kind of think he will, Nikola Jokic will have a step up kind of game because yes. it was just it was just okay. And then they're for the, big uh, for the oh they're, they're, they, they're their big. size was problematic all night long in terms of their coverages. And and so what the Suns will do to adjust again, we'll you know give you a little sneak peek of some of the things we'll be. Talking Talking about throughout the course of the day, is there going to be a change to the starting lineup? Do they go back to Tory Craig because they were playing so far off of a Koji? Landry Shamit again. Landry Shamit getting lots of minutes. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The other team's on the power play when he's in there. Yeah, they're on the power play. He's, he's unplayable. He's unplayable. And I don't and know why keeps everybody playing. seems to recognize that except for it's Monty five Williams. on four. He, it is. It's five on four. I said it last week. Were they a minus everybody got when ch- he was on the floor. Yeah, he was only on the floor for like eleven minutes. Oh boy! Like everybody got a chuckle out of it, but it's true. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a power play for the opponent. Yeah, score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word TICKET to 620-620. Get registered. Listen for your name Wednesday during the 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. hour for your chance to qualify for tickets to go see the Suns take on the Denver Nuggets. Again, text the word TICKET to 620-620. Going into this series, a lot of the focus was rightfully on Nikola Jokic. It was not just him that led Denver to a dominant Game 1. It was bad math in the first half. Really bad math. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Brings in Gambo Talk Suns Nuggets now. Chris Brown driving against Chris Paul. Stops and gives behind him to Jeff Green for an open three, and he got it. 
Green rattles it in. He shot just 29% this season from deep, but he's able to get that one to go and lift the Nuggets to their biggest lead of the night. Why are we playing a Jeff Green three-point shot, you ask? Why are we playing a Jeff Green three-point shot? There's an echo in here, apparently. We're playing a Jeff Green three-point shot because that was part of a stretch in the early second quarter when Nikola Jokic was sitting on the bench. The Phoenix Suns started the second quarter with a one-point lead. They actually played one of their better first quarters of the playoffs, really. I mean, they played very, very well in the first quarter. Yeah, they were giving up a lot of points, but they were certainly scoring almost at will, and it was shaping up to be a very entertaining game. Jokic sits with about a minute and a half to go in the first half, but the Suns have the lead, 32-31, to start the second quarter. From that moment on, without Nikola Jokic on the floor, crazy. That problematic, right? Because yes. it was Porter driving layup, Porter three pointer, Porter seventeen foot jump shot, Gordon dunk, Gordon free throw, more Gordon free Jeff Jeff Green Brown. three point shot, Brown driving layup, Aaron Gordon two points. All of this with Jokic on the bench. Yes. All of this in this moment, the game, the the announcers' voices are still kind of ringing in my head. Like, hey, you, you, it's small out there. No. Jokic, DeAndre Ayton should dominate against this lineup. The, the Suns need to take advantage. And instead, a 32-31 lead at the start of the quarter turned into a 49-41 deficit about midway through the second quarter. Not that that's insurmountable by any stretch. But that's Very, where you got to take advantage. That's where you got to take advantage. You Jokic is going. Go get him, right? Suns got outscored 21-14 to with Jokic on the bench. That's inexcusable. You got to take advantage of that. So 21-14. to And that's been a problem for Denver all year long. Like, it's been a problem. That's why we went out and made that Brian trade, right? They were trying to find somebody that could play when Jokic sits, and they get outscored. The Suns get outscored 21 to 14 while Jokic is sitting. And you're Malone, and you're sitting there like, I'll just keep him rested. I'll keep him rested. I'll keep him rested. I mean, they finally brought him back seven minutes and 40 seconds. Game clock is one thing. Pure rest. You're talking almost 12, 13 minutes of pure rest. Just pure rest between the minute and a half with the, when the half end, the quarter ended. The whole time out before you started the second quarter, and then like the breaks in between, he got so much rest. Look, Phoenix was shooting the ball well, and they, <laughs> they were, were shooting, shooting it really, really well. well, really well. Yeah, they were twenty-two for forty from the field in the first half for fifty-fifth. 55%. The Nuggets were 47%. But the Nuggets had a lot more shots yeah. because of the rebounding, because of the turnovers. And then, and then more, you know, the points was the three-point shooting. Just a really bad first half for Phoenix. And then that second quarter. Man, they just... That was a hole they couldn't climb out of. They got they got onto this big... And even when... So Jokic comes back. And when he comes back, it's... it's um, Let's see when it when it was when he when he finally came back in the second. I think it was forty nine forty one. I believe forty nine forty one. Six minutes and thirty six seconds left. Six minutes and thirty six seconds left. He comes back. It's an eight point game. They were up by seventeen. So then he comes back and they add to it. Yeah. Then he they add another nine points when Jokic comes back. It was a seventeen point lead that the Suns were just never going to overcome. No, it wasn't. In, in look, we talked a lot about math during the Clippers series, and yeah. the Suns eventually got the math to work out in their favor after those first couple of games. The math was just all kinds of wonky in the first half of that. In the second quarter, especially at one point, I look. We're watching the game. We're working. You and I. We don't just watch the game as fans. We're watching the game and we're taking notes or whatever. At one point, I'm. I'm 
I'm toggling back and forth between the live box score and watching the game. And I had to do a double take. At one point in that second quarter, the Suns were shooting 62% from the floor. It was like halfway through. And it was completely irrelevant. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. It didn't matter that they were shooting 62%. Because at that moment, at that snapshot in time, the Denver Nuggets had attempted 17 more shots than the Phoenix Suns halfway through the damn second quarter. It doesn't matter if you're shooting 70% from the floor. If you're giving them 17 more opportunities to score than you. And a lot of those are coming from the three-point line. And a lot of those are coming because of live ball turnovers and second chance points and offensive rebounds. doesn't matter if you're shooting 62%. You can't let them have that many looks at the basket. You just can't. When the half ended, it wasn't 17, but it was still 15. It was still 15. It was awful. The Nuggets took 55 shots. The Suns took 40. Like That's a big difference right there. You know, we'll get into the three pointers a lot later, but that was a major factor too. But it was uh, well. Can I just bring it up real quick? Yeah, fifteen more shots is a bit. It's a lot. Fifteen more shots at halftime. At halftime, they were plus nine on the offensive glass already. Halfway through the game, they've already got nine more offensive boards than the Suns do. They had four fewer turnovers than the Suns. They outscored the Suns twenty-one points from the three-point line just in the first half. Yep. Just so you're looking at those numbers, going, well, no wonder you're losing, right? I mean, just you can take all the mid-range jumpers you want, but if you're giving the other team 15 more shots and the ball five more times because of turnovers and nine more offensive rebounds, you're doomed. Jokic you're absolutely doomed. 13, Jokic had 13 rebounds in the first half. In the first half, he had 13 rebounds. Yeah, five on that one play where he just kept volleyballing the ball to himself over the hoop. Hey, I'll dip it again. I'll dip it again. I'll dip it again. I'll dip it again. Yeah. It was bad. Um, it was bad. And and after the game, Monty Williams talked about respecting how good Denver is as a team. I mean, first of all, you can sit here and make excuses about what we didn't do. They, they beat us. And that's something that you have to address right away. Like, they did some things that... Took us out of certain coverages, took us out of certain plays. Um, so you have to respect that, and that forces you to go back to the lab and, and um, make some adjustments to some things. It's funny. You look at the, the little known fact: they won the third quarter. The Suns did. They actually outscored the Denver Nuggets in the third quarter of that game. You know, but they, but, but, but they only picked up. They were down seventeen. Oh, I know. They but, only picked up four points. But I'm just. I'm. I'm talking yeah. as a whole. That second quarter was the ball game. That right. was yeah. the ball game. That, had, that was they, it. They had a mountain to move down seventeen, and at the end of the third quarter, it was a few shovels of sand. Yeah. Like they, it was still like a thirteen-point lead by Denver, and then Denver comes out. They score the first basket. It's fifteen, and then you know the Suns. You know they, they got it to ten, like once or twice, but it was like you never felt like Denver was going to lose that basket. Yeah, we'll game. talk about this a little bit later. There were a couple of pockets where the Suns had opportunities to get back in it, and they didn't. And so now you project ahead to tonight's game too, and you start talking about these things that are correctable. How correctable are these things? How correctable is the offensive rebounding? How correctable is the extra shots? I mean, you don't think now, Suns fans, when you're watching tonight's game at 7 o'clock or listening to it right here on Arizona Sports, that you're not going to be keeping track of the number of field goal attempts by the Denver Nuggets versus the field goal attempts by the Phoenix Suns? I know I will. It's going to be one of the main things I'm watching for. Offensive rebounding is going to be the main th- Turnovers. I don't know if you... Three-point shooting. If you saw it live, but... The, the Kings-Warriors game yesterday, in the third quarter, Kevon Looney had 10 offensive rebounds yes. in the third quarter alone. And I was having 
post-traumatic stress disorder flashbacks to the Suns game the night before because it was like there were just so many extra shots for the Warriors. They were just piling up because they just kept getting every single offensive rebound. The Suns can correct it. They've got to work hard at not letting the Denver Nuggets have all those extra shots. Otherwise, they're going to be doomed again tonight. Yeah, it's it's it is problematic. You got to come up with the right lineup because you know Port is what six ten. Porter's 6'10", Jokic is 7 feet, Contavious Caldwell Pope is big, mm-hmm. Murray's, Aaron Gordon's a, big. They're Murray's big. a bigger guard, Aaron Gordon is crazy athletic and big, was 6'8", six, six, maybe, like, man, they just have so much damn size, and that was pretty obvious, like, you know, they that was a problem for Phoenix, trying to contend with that type of size. It was, it was a big time problem for the Suns, trying to contend with that size. Chris Paul, after the game, talking about all the shots the Denver Nuggets made. Yeah, we gotta be better, we gotta be better, uh, they made a bit of everything tonight, so go back, look at the film, get ready for game two. DeAndre Ayton after the game on how the Suns played when Denver went small. Yeah, um, just mainly taking advantage of them. I'm glad I didn't get any, um, no flavor foul on that one. One offensive foul I got, but um, just trying to be aggressive on ducking in and, you know, um, you know just being some, some, some type of advantage to generate some type of offense and... I think we got one kick out three on that, you know, where everybody was trying to ground me in the paint, but like you know, kick out the shadows. Things like that, we just got to see and be, you just be early and just, you know, try to get ahead of the storm. A lot of talk about eight and after that. I don't game. even want to hear from him. To be honest with you, like, <laughs> you, I, I just, you look very frustrated. I, I mean, I just I don't, like. I don't even want to hear you talk. Just play. Like you, you're too. You, he talks a lot, dominating. Like, uh, shut up and play. Shut up and play. Like honestly, like I'm so like I, to hear DeAndre Ayton talk right now. Like really, yeah. We're gonna hear you give us the reason as to well, you, why they lost because you because you couldn't play. Yeah, you don't want to grab a rebound. You're sitting and watching. That's a big reason why they lost. Yeah, Nikola Jokic just kicked his butt all night long. Just kicked his butt. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. You want to talk Suns basketball? Shoot us a text. We'll read the best ones on the year if you text us at six two zero six two zero right now. When we come back. We switch gears to the Arizona Cardinals, a very well-received draft beyond just the first round. We'll take you through what they did and why they did it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're excited about the last three days. Um, we think we, we added some, some good players. We came into the draft with eight picks. Um, came into the draft with eight picks, and we ended up with nine. And um, we're excited about those guys that we added, excited about the not only the football players, but the, the people that we added to the building. Monty Austin Fort on Saturday after the Arizona Cardinals wrapped up their portion of the NFL draft. All told, as he mentioned, nine players added by the Arizona Cardinals. Multiple draft picks added for next year as yes. well. It's hard. It's, it's tough to sit here. And I don't mean tough like a bad way. I mean, it's just to sit here and say, how did the Cardinals do in this year's draft? Okay, one, we don't know because we have no idea how these no, players are going to pan no. out, right? Like you see all these grades, and we'll get into them in a second. So so far, they've been very good, but the process by which the Arizona Cardinals drafted this year? I don't know about the results, 
But the process was outstanding. They added a crap ton of pick for, for next yeah, year, right? They did. And it's really hard to separate the two and say, let's talk about the players they got this year. It's hard to separate that from let's talk about all the picks they got for next year because that's a real big part of the equation when judging how they did this year in the draft. Well, listen, we know they've got two first-round picks next year. they got a second. they got three third-rounders. They'll have two fourth-rounders, two fifth, and a seventh. So we know what that is. Again, two first next year, a second next year, two thirds next year, three, I mean, three, three thirds, thirds. Uh, two fourth round picks, a fifth round pick, another fifth round pick, and then a seventh, no sixth round picks. So we know what they have there. Look, it's it's hard to look at the, the players. And look, some people like Paris Johnson. I was reading a ringer. Uh, they gave up. They gave the Cardinals a C plus for taking him. I'm worried Johnson has a long way to go in his development. My 15th ranked player and second ranked tackle, quick footed footed and easy moving, but too often resorts to hugging opponents when he fails to land his punch. Cardinals might have been better off waiting until number 12 to see what tackles were available there. They didn't like it. But when I look at it, but there are other grades, you know, I, I looked at pro football focus, they gave them an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I looked at uh, the ringer overall, gave them a B+. Plus. I looked at Bleacher Report, they gave them an A. So there was a whole lot of others, but you get the gist. There's a lot of really high marks. What we do know is, they draft drafted two offensive linemen, okay? One in the first round, one in the fourth. They drafted two cornerbacks. They got a cornerback in the third round. They got one in the sixth. They drafted a wide receiver, Michael Wilson, in the third round. They drafted an edge rusher uh, in the second round. They drafted um, a quarterback Hmm. in the fifth round who thinks he's Tom Brady. <laughs> they, He's the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah, they love the confidence, kid. That's good. A That's defensive really good. lineman and a line a linebacker. I mean, you look at what they got. I'm happy. Like I, two offensive linemen, check. Edge rusher, check. Two cornerbacks, check. Yeah. Wide receiver, check. Like. I, I'm fine with that. I don't even mind them taking a quarterback. They like the kid. He was great in college. That's a nice place to take a kid and try to develop him to maybe make him your backup quarterback. So I'm okay with that. I think overall, I could only look at the body of work at what they drafted. I didn't. They didn't draft the tight end. Nope. You know? No, no. And that makes me think about something. Okay, remember, if you would listen to the Burns and Gambo show, every time we'd go through a mock draft, and we didn't do this every time we'd go through a mock, but we did this a lot, where we'd, especially the multi round mock drafts, right? And we would focus less on the players and we would focus more on the positions, okay? Not so much the who they drafted, but the where they drafted. Did they draft an edge? Did they draft a corner? Did they draft a this? Did they draft a that? That's the, I don't know whether these players are going to pan out or not. I have no idea. That is the one thing I loved about the Cardinals draft. Loved, loved, loved. It was all the most basic staple needs that a football team needs to be successful. Yes. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, cornerbacks, edge rushers, right? Like, yes. so like the metaphor we've used a lot on the show is like you, you walk into Costco and, you know, they put all the TVs and all the cool electronics and all the gizmos and the gadgets up front at the mm-hmm. store. And you walk in and go, oh, yeah, I want one of those. I want one of those. Where do they put the frozen chicken breasts? All the way in, in the, the back. back. Where do they put the milk? In the back. You know, where the do they fruit. put the fruit? In the back. Right, they make you walk through all the cool stuff to get to the stuff you're actually there for. 
I love. I'm actually only there for the dollar fifty hot dog. <laughs> okay, well that's. I a, mean, just that's give me the dollar fifty hot dog. <laughs> that's after you check out and you've spent five hundred dollars and you want to feel like you eat a meal for next to nothing. But yeah. but that's for too long, way too long. The Cardinals drafts were all about the glitzy glamour stuff at the front of the store and not the basic meat and potatoes you can right. find at the back of the store. I loved that this was a back of the store draft for the Arizona Cardinals. Man, they went right for the core things they needed. That to me is what made this weekend a success. I don't know if these guys are going to be good or not. No idea. But I liked the positional awareness that they had in knowing what they had to go get. How do you not like that? I mean, I you know, same thing. You know, I you know, I I didn't love the first trade that they made, even though they added the 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 first round pick from Houston. We talked a lot about should they get more for to drop down that far, but then they moved back up to to get the top tackle that they had on their board. Now for them, you know, there was other Skarowski from Northwestern. You could have waited and maybe got him and not giving up that other inventory, but they felt really good about the Ohio State kid that he was going to be great. So, okay, be aggressive right there. You got a bunch of extra picks. Now move up and give up some to go get the guy you want. So I thought the strategy was pretty good. Now we'll find out. We, we don't Listen, we don't know from a hole in the wall if these guys can pick players. Oh, this, is a, this is a new group of people. Uh, they started off terrible because they had to give up. Uh, they had to basically move down a whole draft because of the tampering that came out. But in the end, I mean, I like the positional value of the guys that they got. I mean, they got meat and potatoes guys, like you said. Did Was there a player that they took that you find you're more intrigued by than the others? Like well, of, all, it, of all the guys they took, I'm not saying you're predicting they're going to be good or not, but just a guy where you're going to go, okay, hmm, fair. I'm really curious to watch him and see how he develops because I'm interested to see if the Cardinals got this one right. Is there a guy in the class that you look at and go, that's the guy? Because I got one if you, want would, me to, if you want me to start, but if I'll, not. I'll, I'll give you one. Okay. John Gaines, yeah. offensive lineman, UCLA. Okay, we're on the same page. That's Pac-12 offensive too. lineman of the week when he played against ASU. The Bruins had 402 rushing yards. Um, he was on the Pac-12 fallout academic honor roll. Smart kid. Three-star recruit out of Wisconsin. Incredible athleticism, too, right? Yes. Uh, his athleticism score was through the roof. His 40 time, his broad jump, his vertical, three-cone, all rank in the top 10% of interior of offensive line. So if you're asking me, is there one guy that I'm more intrigued with? Look, I mean, if they draft these guys, you know, we you do as much homework as you can on them. It seems to me like this might have been this might have been the guy fourth round to get a guy like that. You may end up getting a starter with that pick. I'm not saying this means he's going to be great. The analytics love the kid. Just love love the athleticism. Love the I saw some crazy stat about anybody who produces a three cone drill the way this guy does goes on to start like eighty four percent of the time in the NFL. It's all like, about the cones. It's all it's all about the cones. Gamble. David Cone, <laughs> the Coneheads, cone ice cream cones, ice cream, ice cream cones. cones, Baskin Robbins, Tim Robbins, Shawshank Redemption, the cone your dog wears after. <laughs> Surgery. That's right. Don't forget that one. <laughs> ah, that's good. Here's what didn't happen this weekend. DeAndre Hopkins didn't get traded. He did not get traded. Did you see his Instagram story that he posted today? You told me about it. I didn't see it. Yeah. I, I did not see posted it. Posted a video on his Instagram yeah. story. And here's, here's what it said. I see everybody tell me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to leave? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm here. Still here. Should I stay or should I go now? It's here now. Now, what are you going to say? I mean, why didn't you come out and say that beforehand? I don't want to leave. I hope they don't trade me. 
He didn't say that beforehand. No. Now he doesn't get traded, and he's saying, who said I want to leave? I don't know. Well, you could have cleared it up like the three weeks before the draft when everybody was talking about you getting traded. Say, I don't want to go anywhere. And nobody still knows what the future is going to hold. Just because he has an IG story that says, hey, I'm still here. Who said I wanted to go? Doesn't mean he could still go. But I always thought that if he was going to, well, I mean, clearly if he was going to go via trade, it was going to happen before the draft. Now that we're clear of the draft, do they cut him? Do they keep him? Do they? Can you I, imagine cutting him. I that'd be insanity. They can't cut him. I, well, I, I, people suggest. I'm not saying that they will or that they should. I'm just saying that that has been discussed by people around football. Would they cut him? Could they cut him? There was a story last week about some unnamed executive who's like, "Yeah, I'm here," and they're having a hard time moving him, and they just might cut him when it's all said and done. I don't. Well, think I can understand they had a hard time moving him because honestly, if somebody was going to give them a second round pick, do you not think that with all the picks that they made, all the Trades, trades they made. Do you yeah. think that they wouldn't have taken a second round pick for him? Yeah. Maybe even a third. Maybe nobody was offering that, which is crazy. By but. the way, something else we're waiting on. Yeah, no decision on Isaiah Simmons yet. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Well, there's some confusion whether today's the deadline or tomorrow's the deadline. But either way, it's either today or tomorrow. Uh, Jerry Judy, his fifth year option got picked up. There was one that got turned down to oh, uh, Patrick Queen, right? Yeah, Patrick Queen's got turned down. Um, tick tock, tick tock on Isaiah Simmons. Will it? Won't it? No. So is it today? Oh, we're not sure. We've Ruby and I were doing this before the show. There's we saw, one website that says the first, but then there's a couple other that say the second. I would just say approach it as at some point today or early tomorrow. Yeah, we, we don't have know, to know. Honestly, we don't know for sure. I, I, you okay. know what? I might reach out to somebody who would know and find out because okay. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but that Isaiah Simmons fifth year decision, it is due either today or tomorrow. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, headed to State Farm Stadium with special guests the strokes on may 14th you can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page at arizonasports.com there was a huge problem on the floor in game one suns nuggets you know what it was we'll tell you about deandre ayton next on the burns and gambo show burns and gambo need to know twitter poll update presented by sanderson ford the burns and gambo need to know twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. So nice we had to play it twice here on the Burns and Gambo show. We turn it over to Eric Ruby, who is uh, flying solo. Could you there. tell? <laughs> he's pushing buttons. He's doing updates. He's got Twitter polls. You're 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 in there by yourself. Oh, he hit that top button on the there you go. Right now you're on. No, no that no, was no, purposeful, no. actually. That was purposeful? <laughs> yeah, no, that had nothing to do with having too many things going on back uh, here. Uh, uh, all right, so Ruby's flying solo, but that's good. We're fine in here on the Burns and Gambo show. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day. What you got for us, Rubes? It's early in the series, but after game one, a lot of Suns fans are panicking. And we have to ask this question. Would you consider tonight's game a must win for the Suns? No. 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 Strong in the no category. You got to win four out of five if you lose. But, I mean... Golden State just won a game seven on the road. Um, I I, I think if you lose, as long as you look at Dallas last year, they lost the first two to Phoenix. They came back and won two at home. Of course. You just got, you you can't lose at home. So if you lose today, the next two are must win. Absolutely. Without question. Not one. Without question. So this isn't a must win to me. You can go down to nothing. But if you lose this one, then three and four are both must wins. It is a must win. It is a must play better. It's not a must win, but it's a must play better. You must play better. 
than you did. Because, because look, history, we just saw yesterday, Gamble pointed it out. The Warriors were down 0-2, they won the series. The Bucks were down against the Suns in the finals, 0-2, they won the series. The Mavs were down 0-2 against the Suns, they won the You can go down 0-2 if both of those games are on the road and still win the series. It happens a ton of times. That's not that big of a deal. You've got to play better tonight. So, no, it's not a must-win. What's our audience say? The comments would seem to agree with you guys, but the poll results are the exact opposite. What? 80.1%. What? 80%. What? They're think panicking. tonight's a must-win. They're panicking. Wow. I told that's, that's, you they're panicking. Think there's panic. There's the, did you not watch that game? Everybody watched that game. It's like, what the hell happened to our basketball team? Much. I can give you the argument for the other side, though. Going down two games against the number one seed and just getting dominated. I mean, okay, so you go down, you go down two. Is you win your two at home, you're two two. Yeah. Right now, you lose in Denver. You come back, you win. You force a game seven. Like, you, you, if there's you definitely lose, a path. If you lose today, it's the long haul. You're talking seven to win it. You're not winning it in six. You're, you're talking winning it in seven. There's a little margin for error, not a lot. We've just seen enough teams come back from 2 nothing to not set, for me to say it's not a must must win. I, it's it's I'm surprised by those numbers. I just got to imagine there's a bunch of Suns fans who did not expect their team to get punched in the face as hard as they did and they're a little shocked by the taste of their own blood right now like whoa, hey, where did that come from? Oh, trust me, I've tasted my own blood, man. It does not you cut from the eye and you're bleeding and it's going down your nose into your Ew. mouth and you got your mouthpiece Ew. in and the blood just is streaming and there's like two minutes left in the round and you can't get to the corner fast enough. Like uh, Note to self, no more tasting mm-hmm. own blood metaphors try to wipe on it from show. Your, oh. try to wipe I might it, cut just, your mic off again, man. It's <laughs> terrible. It's an R-rated broadcast today. Not because of the language, because of the graphic violence. Because you're gasping for air and mad, the blood keeps streaming down your face into your mouth. It's terrible. All right, you're done. When we, <laughs> you're done with the blood. You're, you, you know what? I, I got you on a better topic than the taste of your own blood. And I've actually got a photo of me in the ring tasting um, my own blood. Do you want me to show it to you? Uh, no, you're, you're it's good. It's a disgusting photo, but I, could, I have it. DeAndre Ayton. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's go. talk about that. And the video that made the rounds very, yeah. very quickly yeah. after that he game. He should be humiliated. DeAndre Ayton standing under the basket watching Nikola Jokic basically play volleyball with himself and just standing there watching it, doing nothing about it, not getting into the fray, not doing anything at all to, to influence or change it. DeAndre Ayton had a miserable night Saturday night. On both ends of the floor, sure. by the way. Both ends. I totally agree. And I'll come up with some other examples on the other end where he wasn't very good. But let's talk about defensively and the rebounds and how Jokic just kicked his butt that Well, night. I mean, he, listen, he shot seven for 11. He's had 14 points, but he was in foul trouble. He picked up his fourth foul, 144 left in the third quarter. The bigger problem was he got out-rebounded by Jokic 19-7. to 19-7. to So you're going up against him. We talked about this. You don't have to win the battle against Jokic, but don't get slaughtered, yeah. okay? Hang in there. 12 rebounds more for Jokic. 12 rebounds more. That led to the Nuggets' overall rebounding advantage of 49-38. to The Nuggets had 16 offensive rebounds. The Suns had 8. Jokic had eight offensive rebounds. You know how many DeAndre had? Two. Two. So that guy has eight offensive rebounds. You have two. He's got 19 rebounds. You have seven. You know what it meant? Here's what, in a nutshell, 101 shots for Denver, 88 for Phoenix. They had 13 more shots. This goes back to the math, right? We were talking about that earlier. This goes back to the math. Simple math. You shoot, they grab the rebound. That's good for them. 
Okay, they shoot, they grab the rebound. That's good for them. A lot of that was happening in that basketball game last night. And DeAndre Ayton, he should be embarrassed. He should be humiliated. He should be embarrassed to go watch the video of himself just watching the game a lot of times. His defensive, he, he's supposed to be a, an elite defensive rebounder and an anchor defensively, and he was neither. No, he, he was, was neither. Uh, Monty Williams, after practice yesterday on the personal disappointment that DeAndre and others have to be feeling right now. I'll tell you what. Wasn't where it needs to be, and when you look at the film, uh, it wasn't as consistent. When he plays with force, everything else is you know, the table is set, if you will. And so he would probably say that he could ratchet it up three or four levels, but I think the whole team. Could play with uh, we all have a, a bit of personal disappointment. Because when you play against the best team in the West, why would you not bring it up? So that's probably the disappointment we all feel. I I think Monty missed the boat here. I really do. Challenge the young man. Not it's on all of us. We all could have played better. I mean, this is, you, it, you, don't protect him on this one. Stop protecting him. Mm-hmm. Challenge him. Yeah, he got his ass kicked by Jokic. He plays like that. We have no chance in this series. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. You saw the game. I mean, you got to challenge him to sit that. And it's, I think Monty's missing the boat here. I really do. You had an opportunity to go hard on DeAndre, to motivate him to play harder and better, and you missed it. You went with the, oh, everybody needs to play better and this and none of that. Get on him. Get on him. He got clobbered by Jokic. Two years ago, he was able to stand up to him. I don't know. Maybe he can't challenge him. I don't disagree with you. Do you think he's doing that behind the scenes, though? Does he need to do it publicly? I'll do it publicly, just, just for the public publicly. shame of it, for the do for the, publicly. the the so yeah. that all can see, that everybody can hear what yeah. he has to say about it. Yeah. Okay, I was just because I, I'm assuming, I'm hoping, God, I hope behind the scenes that Monty's doing exactly that with DeAndre, like behind the scenes that he is challenging him, that he's pushing him, that he's saying that's not good enough, big fella, you got to do more, you got to do better. That was embarrassing. That was insufficient. That's not going to get it done. I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. It's just that there's 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 what you hear, you know, right when you got a microphone in front of your face, and there's what you do when you're in a private room with a guy with the door closed and the kind of... And I don't know what's going on in that private room. I can only hope Monty is letting him have it back there, because it's just on it. They're never going to win this series if DeAndre Eaton is playing with that level of softness. I mean, just say it. Never. Say it. Yeah, you know, listen, I mean, I know there's been a lot of criticism over DeAndre about being a soft player, and um, listen, I expect that he's going to come back and play harder, because if he plays like that, we don't have a chance. How many more rebounds did they have than us? How many offensive rebounds did he have? Than us. Yeah, if he plays like that, we can't win. I mean, challenge the guy instead of like putting it on the whole team. Challenge one guy and try to get more out because that's ultimately what you need. You need him to step up and play better. It's funny. Everybody looks at the video of him standing under the hoop watching Nikola Jokic get like five offensive rebounds on one possession, and, and we've we've all seen it. Social media reacted to it. Everybody was ripping it or whatever. And a much more subtle thing that happened. Kellen sent out a great video breakdown. He didn't do it, but but somebody did in the NBA. I can't remember who of. DeAndre Eaton at the other end of the floor, and DeAndre Eaton not rolling hard on pick, pick and rolls, on DeAndre Eaton just kind of standing around on offense and not really doing what he said, and it messed up. I'm not saying it's all his fault. It's not all DeAndre's fault. But you see the ramifications 
and the fallout of DeAndre Ayton not doing his job on that end, and it's like just becomes a traffic jam for the Suns' offense. It just kind of stalls everything else they're trying to do offensively with their pick and roll and setting up open shots and trying to move the ball around when he doesn't do something as simple as roll hard to the basket on a pick and roll, right? Setting the pick, leaving the pick late, not running real hard to the rim, and, and just that. Just not running hard to the other end of the floor. It was yeah. an all-around lazy game from DeAndre Ayton, and this is not the time of year for lazy games from DeAndre Ayton. No, you just I mean, can't tolerate it right now. Listen, I don't know how the series is going to go, but in game one, you want to look for blame, DeAndre Ayton one, Monty Williams two, Chris Ball three. That's my that's my blame game. DeAndre Ayton gets the most blame. Monty Williams gets the second most blame. Chris Paul gets the third most blame. Monty, I assume, for Landry? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I just yeah. want to make sure. I just uh, that that's where yeah. you're... I mean, you want to continue to put the other team on the power play every time you put Landry Chapman <laughs> in the game. That's on you. That's terrible coaching. Yeah. DA wasn't the only starter whose play was subpar on Saturday. In fact, on Gambo's blame game list, we'll talk about number three on the list. Chris Paul's no-show. The problems that stem from that, that's all coming up in the 3 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo Show.